Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 340. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice. And I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. Thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for the new monthly Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community, which you can find in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com. I'm recording this introduction from Washington, D.C., where I am spending a few days pre-planning the upcoming June 29th Slow Flowers Summit. I'm so excited to invite you to join me at our fabulous lineup of speakers whose presentations are tailored to the progressive floral designer and sustainably-minded growers, shop owners, and vendors in our industry. We'll gather together for an inspiring day of ideas and future thinking, all in pursuit of a new model for connecting more people with the Slow Flowers mission. I'm so grateful to the American Institute of Floral Designers for inviting me to co-locate the Slow Flowers Summit with their annual symposium this summer. AIFD has made it possible for me to bring the summit to the East Coast by the generous use of a meeting space at the Marriott Wardman Park Hotel in Washington, D.C. Visit DebraPrinzing.com to learn more and to enjoy my preview of photos and details about getting to the summit, plus where to stay and what to do before and after our day of all things Slow Flowers. Before coming to Washington, D.C., I spent three amazing days in Orlando, not at one of the more familiar Disney theme parks, but at the first Team Flower Conference. I owe producers and hosts Kelly and Jesse Perry a debt of gratitude for inviting Slow Flowers to participate in the conference. I so enjoyed reuniting with several of you Slow Flowers, farmer florists, retailers, and designers. And I loved our impromptu Slow Flowers meetup, which had about 15 in attendance. At the Team Flower Conference, I participated in a few special activities, including co-presenting with my florist review colleagues, Brenda Silva and Carolina Mojeda, and joining the floral design judging team. I also recorded a few interviews with people whose personal stories I've been wanting to share with you. The first one is today's guest, Julio Freitas of The Flower Hat. The Flower Hat is a luxury custom floral design shop located in Bozeman, Montana. Established in 2016, The Flower Hat is a culmination of passion, love, and talent from owner and head florist Julio Freitas. Julia moved to Billings, Montana, from Belo Horizonte, Brazil, in the summer of 2006 to start classes at Rocky Mountain College. After completing his degree in business management, Julio spent several years working in the hospitality industry and moving his way up the chain of management. Although he enjoyed his work there, he found himself yearning to explore a more creative side of himself. After some soul-searching in 2011, he started his career in floral design 
doing weekly floral arrangements for Harper and Madison in Billings, Montana. He was greatly inspired by the works of Daniel Ost, Jeffrey Latham, Jane Packer, and many other European floral designers. While the arrangements at Harper and Madison allowed Julio to spread his creative wings, he eventually realized he wanted to continue to expand his floral designs, and he dove headfirst into the world of wedding and event floral. It wasn't long before word of his passion for flowers spread, and soon he transitioned into floral design full-time. Although his business has evolved over the years under several names, The Flower Hat is his most genuine and inspired labor of love. Most recently, Julio has found his newest passion in flower farming and has grown and harvested hundreds of blooms from his small farm in Bozeman, Montana. Please visit DebraPrinzing.com to see photos of Julio and his flowers, both those he's growing and those he's designing with. I'll also have a link to a fabulous profile about Julio that appeared a few years ago in the Cutflower Quarterly and links to all of his social places. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I'm delighted today to introduce Julio Freitas. Hi, Julio. Hi. And you are the flower hat. That's right. And uh, you're not wearing your hat today. I am not wearing my hat today because I have good hair today. You do have good hair. Um, Julio, I am so glad we finally get to sit down and do this interview. We were joking about the fact that I've tried a couple times and uh, it's always better to do this in person. So when I was in Montana in September, you were not. I was doing a wedding in Idaho. Yeah. 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 So now we're together at the Team Flower Conference and I'm glad you reached out to me and told me you were coming because what was my first thing I said? We're We're getting together. (laughs) We're recording the podcast. Um, So, I like to describe you as a farmer florist, but um, why don't you, in your mm-hmm. own words, tell us, give us a snapshot of the flower hat and, and what you, how you consider the business to be defined. Okay, well, so I'll first say I like to consider myself a florist farmer because floral design came first to me and then farming came out of necessity. Um, you know, we are located in Bozeman, Montana, and getting flowers to Montana was just really hard. And you know, we would. I just remember this one wedding we had on Fourth of July. Obviously, it would happen during the holiday, and our orders didn't come in, and it, it was delayed for three days. And I really could, just could not believe it. That and that was the the straw that broke the camel's back for me. And I said, "There's got to be another way wow. to do this." Wow. So we started growing flowers that year, and it was the the saddest bed of zinnias <laughs> I had ever seen in my entire life. But you know, and you tried. <laughs> yeah, I tried. And I did have blooms. They just weren't usable, but I did have blooms. How long ago was that? So that was four years ago. Okay. Yep. Okay. And then from there, from there, we grew. Every year we grew a little bit. And um, now we grow on a quarter of an acre. But before that, it was just a tiny little spot behind our studio. Um, so now we, we are able to grow probably about 30% of our flowers to use in our design work. We're seeing more and more requests for no roses, which is beneficial to our business model. So we can use a lot of Cosmos, a lot of, you know, the Zinderella zinnias that are smaller, more of the intricate blooms that are hard Mm -hmm. to ship and hard to find. Mm -hmm. Um, So we can use those in our our events. So we're, I like to say that we're an event florist. We usually don't take on um, everyday orders, you know, that we have other floors that we can recommend those to. We decide to focus on events. And then we have our flower bars, which are our, um, 
I like to give people the sense that they're in a flower market. So they come in and they just buy bunches of flowers and they walk away with beautiful flowers or locally grown. At your uh, studio? At my studio. Okay. So when we first started, we did a test and we had flowers that were imported from who knows where. Mm -hmm. And then we had the local flowers. And by the end of the night, all the local flowers were gone and all the imported flowers were left on the table. So wow. that was a big lesson for us that, you know, there is a big movement and people are really willing to search for those. Um, they want to know where the flowers come from and the more local, the better. When I, I tell them, I put that seed in the ground <laughs> and I tend to this plant and I cared for it and here it is for mm -hmm. you now, they absolutely love it. So that was really, it was a really, it was a really, rewarding yeah. feeling that I could grow flowers not only for myself, but also for other people. So I love that idea that you're telling your customers that you put the seed in the ground and you're putting your, your personal story out there then connecting people to your flowers. And it sounds like that's what they're really responding to as well. Like, wow, he cares about these flowers. He, he took the time to grow them and it's not easy. Yes. And when they see, when they see the flowers, that I can grow in Montana right. compared to what can come in hours, hours by far. They, they're, they're just more, they're more beautiful, they're bigger. And when I connect those flowers to my story, I think that's really what ends up selling them. They sell themselves, yeah. obviously. But, you know, when I say these came from right here, you know, they are really, they're really enthralled by the fact that they can get locally grown flowers. And when you talk about the way people respond, I got the impression that was the people who come to buy from the flower bar, but is it also your uh, wedding clients or are they sort of two different niches that you're selling to? They're two different niches that we're selling to, but brides do like knowing mm -hmm. that the flowers are local too. Mm -hmm. It's, there is, I make a point to say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you have to educate them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think there's not, you know, there's not just... I, I try to grow what I cannot get from other farmers, but there's a couple, a couple of other farmers in town that I know what they grow, I know what I can go to them for, and then I try to grow something different. So I can tell my brides that we have a network of farmers working together to bring flowers That's to cool. their event. Mm -hmm. um, and okay, let's talk about Montana. What zone is that? I'm in zone 4B. Okay. Oh, yes. we were joking yesterday that you're only per the only person who raised his hand between zone one and five. Yeah, yeah. We had someone from Alaska who was supposed to come and she had to cancel. She bailed on me. She would have been your only other cohort. Um, so that's a challenge. And then um, in terms of what you've chosen to grow, like, are you focusing only on annuals? I thought you also had a big Dahlia business. So we focus on annuals because we lease our land. Oh, okay. And I'm not really... I don't want to make the investment in perennials on leased land, but that's right. just a personal choice. No, I, I've heard that yeah. from a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So we grow a lot of annuals and dahlias. Those okay. are, yeah. We, so you're treating your dahlias like annuals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. We take them up every year. And okay. So we have, um, we had about 1,200 dahlias last year and we're tripling that this year. Wow. With, so, with having to acquire more land? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to. So um, so what? where did the name The Flower Hat come from? Because I... I think it's so distinctive, and I, I have one of your hats that I wear when I work in the garden. <laughs> Thank so, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a friend of mine had traveled to, um, I believe it was Australia or New Zealand, um, but she brought this hat for me, and it was a flower pattern on it. Like a baseball cap? Yep. Okay. Yep. 
And um, at that time, I used, I still own a company called Kirkham and Company, and we advertised ourselves as interior design and flowers because we thought that that was the best, not to make a pun, but marriage of yeah. you know the two worlds. But what we didn't realize is how complicated marketing that company would be. So we would have, you know, brides that would walk into our studio because we only do events. We wouldn't necessarily have flowers set up all the time. Mm -hmm. So we would have brides that would walk in for a consultation. Then they would walk right out because they thought they were at the wrong place because they were expecting flowers. And then there's a bed. There's, And then we ended up doing more tile and cabinets and more renovations type of stuff. Not the, and the hard furniture. goods. Not the yeah. soft goods. Yeah. yeah. So right around that time, the studio that was next door to our interior design company became available for lease. And I decided to take the leap and just say, this is it. And I needed to come up with a name for it. <laughs> so I would do, I would do these Instagram shots before every single wedding. Before I started driving, <laughs> I would do a selfie with me and my hat. And most of the times, like, uh, you have to go work in the sun and you're sweating. So the hat was kind of practical, too, because then I didn't have to worry about my hair and how <laughs> I was looking. You know, you kind of have to have some sort of a presence when you're, you know, delivering yeah. a wedding. Yeah. You know, the bride doesn't want to see somebody that's just in tired for being there. Yeah. yeah. So I would take the selfies with all the flowers in the back and the hat. And then brides would ask me, I was wondering which hat you're going to wear today. And so when the time came to name the business, I was struggling and I talked uh, to a couple of friends and Erin from Florette, she she told me, she's like, don't worry about your name. It, it doesn't have to be perfect. It has to be memorable. That's a good point. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I went back home and I was like, okay, what's memorable? The first one I wrote was the flower hat. And then I was like, yeah, that's not going to stick. So I also wanted to come up with a cool name like Rosemary and ro Honey or... The something and something. Yeah. And... Which everybody does. I wrote through like 20 pages of names and nothing stuck. And the flower hat was available. The flower hat.com was available. The Instagram was available. All the social media handles were available. And I was like, that's it. And then somebody said, no, it needs to be flower hat. I was like, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'll, I'll name my own business. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Okay. So it's like the flower hat. And that's, and it was born. And it felt, it felt like such a seamless transition. Like no one even noticed that there was a new business because I was already known for the flower hat. So when the flower hat was actually born on June 7th, it was already something that people expected. So it was a super easy marketing transition. For June 7th, what year? 2016. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So it's been less than two years. It really blows my mind to, I'm, I'm jumping all over here because <laughs> I have other questions for you, but just to stop and focus on the flower hat. If in less than two years, your Instagram has freaking blown up mm -hmm. and it, a lot of those photos are you with cute photos of you with that hat but mm -hmm. not all of them are it's right yeah. you don't try to wear it in every photo do you the if, hat? if i'm doing an arm load i try to change the hat up. okay yeah. yeah okay okay yeah so those those i can't like i love that you just had this truth about the hat like your clients already knew you as the guy with the hat so mm -hmm. it wasn't like you have to create a persona it was just what you were doing yep. anyway so that maybe is why it resonated um what started you on this this um armload of flowers look which a lot of people are copying now p.s <laughs> you know who you are listeners <laughs> i think they kind of cop to it don't they <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't know if I can take the, the credit for starting it, but I do know that... Well, you claimed it I, for you. I, I don't know if I would claim it, <laughs> but I will say that I changed it to work for our brand. Okay. 
so, right, that's fair. Yeah, and we would get a lot of flowers from the field, and we don't have, I mean, back then we didn't have even the quarter of an acre. It was a drain field that I grow on, and I'm, I'm, I'm never ashamed to say it. We had mm-hmm. a drain field, and it was just sitting there, and I said, like, can I grow flowers there? Well, that's great. I have to water less. <laughs> Phosphor levels are really high. Wow, um, yeah. But we, you know, we would have all these this abundance of flowers that we learned to grow in a small space. And I just figured that I should show that to people. Mm-hmm. And we just, we just kind of perfected our look. You know, we always have a white background and it's me and my hat and the flowers just kind of speak for themselves. And um, I felt like the yeah. consistency of showing what was coming out of the field. And granted, there are a lot that are, you know, brought in from a wholesaler. Right. But I felt like every time, I showed people, hey, this is me, and these are flowers that I grew. That really resonated with people. They really they really responded well to that. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it seems like mostly they're single-variety arm loads. You're not doing mixed, mixed designed bouquets. Mm-hmm. More like just gathered from a harvest. Yep. Okay. Yep. And do you have some kind of tricky lens that makes them advance to the to the foreground they look so much like you know that mirror thing that says objects appear larger than they really are like is it it's almost like a trick of the eye or a trompe l'oeil what you're doing so i was actually telling someone this yesterday so i have a very good photographer who's my assistant and she loves photography and her name is Haley, and she's really the reason why we are where we are today because without her i couldn't take photos i've had other people take photos and they definitely do not look the same really so yes. she's got a, a she's, way of she, composing it yes so it's not me it's her <laughs> <laughs> thank you Haley. Uh, but what we do is there is a little bit of thought that goes into it because I just don't like when the flowers all look flat. Right. So we kind of pull some forward, some back. Yes. And so that, I think dimension the three-dimensional look is, yeah. I think, really what gives people that think that thought that the flowers are bigger than my head. I'm like, no, this is just a spray rose. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's so cool. And so do you post every day? Uh, no. People ask me about consistency, and I literally just post when I feel like so, so it's, it's more organic. Mm-hmm. It's not, yeah. Yeah, because our orders just come in, you know, like we're not harvesting. Um, sometimes we just don't have enough flowers to harvest to make an arm load, so I just won't post. But right. So it just depends on when we have flowers. So there, I don't have a, a formula that. Well, also you're under <clears throat> snow for many months of the year. So mm-hmm. you might have to use product from the wholesaler or mm-hmm. go into your archives to find photos. Yep. That yep. sort of thing. And we usually take about like 30 photos to pick one. So sometimes there are two good ones, and then we post one at one time, and then we do a, like Save a throwback later. Thursday kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, the Flower Hat has been operating under that business name for just your, like, this is your third season then. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you divide up uh, your portfolio? Is it, I don't even know how to ask this question, because I forgot that you had the interior design business. Is that like taking up half of your time, and then the flowers are the other half, or... Are you pretty much focused only on the flower business now? I'm pretty much focused on the flower now. Okay. So I like to say that we have a little departments in our small business. So we just had our Dahlia Tuber sale, and that comes up every late winter. And then we will go into, we'll start the farming season now with, and then we'll start the flower bars from, you know, tulips and daffodils, and we're going to ranunculus mm-hmm. and anemones and then into dahlias and in the fall. And then somewhere in there, we start doing weddings in June. And then we have our fall bulb sale in the fall. And then we do some Christmas stuff in the winter. And then we have a um, 
some winter clients that are here for, you know, January, they come and ski mm. and, um, and that just kind of get us through the year. We kind of have these ups and downs and, mm-hmm. you know, not really super high and not really super low. So it kind of keeps us going throughout it's, the entire year. It's better year. to stabilize with yes. even business rather than the crazy whatever. What is wedding season in Montana? Is it September, October? Or? It's it's actually May through September. Okay. Yeah. But we don't pick up until June. I figured we would give May to dedicate to farming because that's such mm-hmm. a busy time in the mm-hmm. farm where we're transplanting everything out. Um, so we go June through September. How do you uh, do the flower bars? How frequently are those happening? So they happen every week, and we're just finalizing the schedule now, but we're going to think it's going to be on Thursday evenings. There's so much happening in Bozeman on Saturdays already. We have always wanted to do it on Saturday mornings, but we're also delivering weddings. So we figured that Thursdays were yeah. actually a good day to do it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so it's, kind of, it's kind of your little retail ex- moment every mm-hmm. week because like, people just show up. Yep. Okay. Yep, we put it on Instagram and Facebook, Flower Bar Thursday, 5 to 7, and then we actually have to lock the door because people will line up really? outside the door. Wait, yes. how big is the space? It's just the space that we're actually uh, showing the flowers is really only 700 square feet because okay. in the back area is just storage and whatnot. Okay. So, okay. Uh, wow. But we have these two big 4 by 8 tables. And we lined them up with, and they're all bunched. Everything is bunched and sleeved and with our cute little label on it. Um, and it's now, you know, like I said, everything is going to be that comes from the field. And people just buy bunches of tens or fives or depending on what it is. Oh, and, my gosh. I mean, some people walk out of there with armloads of flowers. Wow. And they just they're so home. hungry for it, yeah. too. Um, I'd love to show some photos of the flower bar in action. So will you share a few of those yeah, with me? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I can see also doing a Thursday night event is uh, kind of gets you ahead of the if there are farmers markets on Saturdays you don't want to kind of compete with those mm-hmm. I don't know are there there lo- are farmers ma- markets on there, Saturdays are there many flowers at those farmers markets or? I think there are a couple of vendors that okay. will do flowers yep there's one flower farmer for sure that does that's there actually two um, so and then it also helps us with our florists that buy from us because we can cut for them first, sell it on Wednesday, and then we have a flower bars on Thursday, which is also fresh. It's you right. know right, but um, the, the florists know they're getting the 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 first harvest, or right? Whatever of and that they're week. and they're more specific about what they mm-hmm. want and what they need. So, and then the flower bars, we we figured last year that when we had the big showy dahlias and fillers as separate bunches as tray bunches. The fillers all is set there, but then people are always like, I don't know how to put this together either. So we're going to actually do mixed bouquets okay. and dahlias and then that's it. Okay. Yeah. Or, oh. or you know, mixed bouquets and uh, a focal flower. Right. Uh, straight bunch. Right. Yeah. Interesting. That's a formula that worked. That's interesting because um, you don't have time to make... A- to make on the spot if you have if you have people out the door you can't do it that night mm-hmm. and, and so it sounds like you have to get ahead of that yep yep we'll have everything wow. done ahead of time you said something else that uh, made me uh, realize that you're also wholesaling to florists when you mentioned mm-hmm. supplying your florists so that, is that another one of your little departments yep. that, okay yeah so how does that work uh, how many are, Bozeman is what? What's the population? 50,000 or something? about 35 okay yep. it's like a college town right? yes mm-hmm. okay so are there a lot of wedding and event florists that you're selling to or are you who are you selling to so there are there are about 12 florists but i mean just to put it in perspective bozeman has thirty-five thousand people and about 12 florists 
maybe 30, 30, in the 30 range of venues. All those venues are booked Friday and Saturday between May and September. Wow. Billings. Because just the, they're covering, they're drawing from a larger region than just Bozeman. Yeah, we're a big destination place. A lot of people have second homes there. So when the kids go to visit, they have, you know, childhood memories of being there. So when they decide to get married, that's definitely the place that they're going to go. Or they went to school there or whatever. Exactly. We're an hour away from Yellowstone Park, too, so that draws a lot of people in, so they make, a, like, a vacation out of it. So, um, But there are there are a couple of floors that we sell to on a consistent basis, and they're always there, and I know what they want. I know their style, and being a designer kind of enables me to help them better. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm trying to grow things that are different, that are hard to find, so they really appreciate that. So we have a good, like, like I said, a good couple of floors that will buy from us on a consistent basis. I've recently heard some... Complaints from, um, I guess I would say, re- studio florists who are a little bit more established and are just discovering local flowers or mm-hmm. farmer florists. And the complaint is this. Well, I'm a florist and I want to buy from a farmer, but that farmer also wants to design. And so I feel like I'm not getting the, you know, the best, you know, quantity or quality of flowers because that farmer is going to save it for him or herself. Mm-hmm. Do you run into that or do you have any kind of, I mean, part of me is like, I don't think it's a problem. We just need more people growing flowers. Yeah. So support those farmers. But excuse me, what do you say to somebody who's a little bit threatened by that idea? Do you, have you run into that yourself? Not really. Um, and in fact, one of the florists that I sell to, um, her name is Sue, and she owns a business called Wild Bloom. Okay. Sue and I have actually very similar styles, and I I know exactly what comes out of my field. And if I have anything that's less than for me, it's going to be less than for her because I don't want I don't want her to start looking at my flowers week over week and thinking mm, this is this is not great. You know, I want her to get the best so she comes back every week, um, but. So you're just finding a way to make sure that you both get the quantity you need. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think, you know, even even style-wise, to say that Sue and I have similar styles, um, and she's a dear friend of mine, and I love her, but I think she has her clients that will really gravitate not only towards her style, but also her personality. Mm-hmm. And I have my clients, and I think we have this understanding that if I can help her grow her business, she's going to help me grow my flower uh, mm-hmm. farming business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know that there. For me, I haven't experienced that, but That's good. I, you know, I can, I, I can maybe see that. But I, from a farming standpoint, I'm just trying to put the best that I can out there. So then she gets the best quality she can get. Her clients see it. So I've been it, like it's a chain reaction that benefits everybody. I think you're right, and I, I, I mean, I personally believe that there's enough work for everybody Mm -hmm. if you just stay in your own lane and do what you're best at and if you know what you're best at i mean from a writer being a writer i have i've had this same issue like we are we don't i don't want to be frenemies with my fellow writers i want to help them and and we probably all write about different topics so Mm -hmm. um so thanks for addressing that um let's back up a little bit and talk about how you got to floral floral after interior design I mean or how did you get to interior design like what got you to this path in your career it, it was a long <laughs> I what mean it's been 10 years <laughs> okay what did you want to be when you grew up <laughs> definitely not a florist really? I thought I was going to work in a bank I was for sure that I was going to work in a bank wow and thank god I didn't I remember applying for a scholarship at a bank and they were like yeah you're not what we're looking for and I was just so disappointed I was like but I really want to work here and I'm just obviously glad that it didn't work out that way. I'm but. just curious. Was that just because you sort of 
saw that kind of like that was success wearing a suit and tie and that was like that corporate path that you were kind of yeah that was the only way to be successful well i'm from brazil so you know being your own boss wasn't necessarily a thing you know mm-hmm. you went and you had a paycheck and you worked for somebody else and if you were a suit and tie that meant that you were successful yeah right that was that was defined success and i it took you a while to shed that opinion. Yeah, okay. yeah. So right off, um, so I came to, so I moved from Brazil about 10 years ago to Billings, Montana, and I was finished school. I was a hotel manager for seven years. And then during that time, they asked me to do all the Christmas trees. And we had a, like a little round table when you walked in the lobby and we would do seasonal silk floral on there. And it, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. So then... This little coffee shop. So I researched a lot of hotel designs, and um, there's this guy in London. Um, his name is Ken Martin, and I was just fascinated with the style of flora that he did. So we had this little coffee shop that opened in our neighborhood, and she had this round table. And um, I walked in, like not even thinking anything about it. I saw this beautiful bouquet of flowers that was fine, and I walked in, got my coffee, left, came back the next week. The flowers were gone. And that table was just sitting there empty. And I was like, what is missing? And I went in and I just kept thinking about it. I was like, oh, my God, it's the flowers. So I grabbed my coffee and the owner was actually at the register at that time. And I don't know what made me ask her that. And I just asked her if she wanted flowers on a weekly basis. And You were still working at the hotel. I was still working at the hotel okay. full time as wow. a manager. And my phone, I was a front desk manager. So my phone would ring at 3 in the morning, 11 p.m., 7 a.m. before I even got there. And she said, yeah, she's like, I love fresh flowers. So I would go to the local retail flower shop, buy flowers on Saturday. This is even before I knew anything about flower logistics. So by the time I got them, they're already old. Right. But I would get them on Saturday and every Monday at 5 a.m. I'll go in and set up. But I would always do a multi-vase arrangement. So mm-hmm. each arrangement would probably have like 12 vases. And they were tall and big and small and round. And I would just do color blocking. That was oh, my wow. thing. And people really... It caught on and, you know, people started taking my business cards and then one wedding after the other. And I said I would never do weddings. I'm never going to do weddings. I just want to do corporate work. And but one, your card is sitting at the coffee shop mm-hmm. and corporate people aren't going in there. Individuals are going in there. Brides were right. going in there. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and it was a really cute coffee shop. It's called Harper Madison. It's still there. If you're ever in Billings, go there. And What's it called? Harper Madison. Okay. Yeah, it's a really great. They have great food. So... They start taking my card, and I start doing weddings, and I was working around the clock. Um, I never, I'm not an interior designer, but I did help with the business side, like the back end of it. Okay. So I was working eight to five, and then I would get home and work on the interior design job, and then put proposals together, and then do weddings on the weekends, and I was literally working around the clock. I was so tired, and then in 2014, I said, that's it, I can't do this anymore, and I would either have to quit flowers or I would have to quit the hotel. And I quit the hotel without a single wedding on the book. So my partner... And you didn't have the guaranteed paycheck anymore. Mm-mm. Wow. So yeah. my partner, Shane, he was an interior... He is an interior designer. So we were living apart for six months because he had this job in Bozeman. And I said, I'm moving to Bozeman. Like, you're not going to come back here anymore. I'm moving there and that's what we're going to do because his work was there too. Yeah. So the, it made, it, somebody had to have the stable... Yeah. Established business. Yep. Yeah. And it was him at yeah. that time. So I moved to Bozeman in fall 2014 without a single 
wedding on the books. I had nothing booked. And right, I because just, all those billing clients are, I mean, how many hundreds of miles away are these two states? Yeah, it's about 150. It's a big state. And I thought I would have to go back and forth because I had a name in billings. And I thought, okay, I'm going to have to do this whole back and forth thing for a year and then establish myself here. And so summer of 2015, all of a sudden things happened. So winter got really busy with Christmas. And then I got started connecting with some wedding planners and venues and started doing some style shoots together. So then people started recommending me. So then all of a sudden, 2015, we had 12 weddings. And one of them was in Billings. So I went back to Billings, did that one. And then 2016, we did 43 weddings, all in Bozeman. And I never went back to Billings again. And it's not because I don't love Billings. Right. It's just the logistics of getting flowers back and forth. It's we, it's mind blowing. It's we, yeah. in that market. That yeah. is phenomenal. And the forty plus weddings, what were the range? Like from small personal elopement to the big over the top, or do you kind of have a, a sweet spot that you generally That year I just took anything that came okay. through the door because I was so afraid that I wasn't gonna make it. I just said yes to everything. And if I learned anything from Kathy Griffin, the comedian, I mean she, there's a lot about her that we are not gonna go into, but you know, I remember watching an interview from her and she said when I started I said yes to everything because there was a lesson to be learned in every job. And I really took that to heart. And I said yes to everything. I learned a lot. I learned what not to do. Um, but it was it was probably, it was a beautiful summer. I mean, I was dying, working, but every single Friday night at 2 in the morning that I was in the studio, as tired and as, it was exhausting, but I was so happy because I owned my own business. And, and I was doing something that was just so meaningful, not to me personally, but, you know, to say that that bride is going to look back on her bouquet 20 years from now. I want them all to say, I'm so glad I hired him. Yeah. It could be 30 years. It could be 50 years from now. Yeah. You know, the fact that your work is immortalized by pictures now is a really powerful image that I have in my head that I have to be perfect all the time because those pictures will live on forever. So when I say I had 43 weddings, I had 43 people that said, you're the one. I trust you. Yeah. Wow. And it was a really big, and I never took it too serious, like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I got to be perfect. But you know, like I just understood my job. You had a little a reverence for it. Yeah. And, and you didn't have to get up and go to the hotel the next morning. So yep. you were happy. Or in the middle that. of the night. Yeah. You were doing flowers <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the night. Yep. So when you first moved to Bozeman, then you did you you operated under the, the business name with your partner. You, with Garcom and Company, okay. yes. Yeah. But at some point it sounds like it just became so evident that the you had to kind of break away and have the floral business branded separately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We would have I remember the last photo shoot that we tried to do for Kirkham and Company was Shane loves his Mercedes Benz. So we have a vintage one. It's 1973 with like 50,000 original miles from it from Germany. Like that's the whole story behind it. But we did his passion for Mercedes. And then we had the trunk popped open with like fabrics and pillows oh, wow. in front of this barn. And I hired a friend of mine who's a photographer to come in and shoot a bride in a dress and flowers. And the beautiful, the images were absolutely beautiful. And then I looked at it and I said, this says absolutely nothing about what we do, but confuse people. <laughs> it's a little bit all over the map. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful images, nonetheless. But I said, this is it. So, yeah. so, and then Shane's side of business has grown a lot too. He does a lot of homes, remodels. You know, he's been an interior designer for 15 years. So now he has some clients that come back to him and say, hey, let's redo this that we did 10 years ago. Right. So, so that's he, taken off. It, too. It's, it's got its own brand. Yeah. Yeah. 
Interesting. For sure. Very yep. cool. So um, we're running out of time just a little bit, so I, I could talk to you forever. I find this so <laughs> fascinating. What What do you have on the horizon for 2018? Are you embarking on, I, I mean, the Dahlia stores, you've done the Dahlia store mm-hmm. two years in a row now, right? Yep. Um, how are things changing for you? Are you just kind of refining and like expanding your gro- your your growing area mm-hmm. and are you trying to like do fewer weddings that are more profitable or like what, <laughs> what's the challenge? I think weddings are a passion. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, once you get in it, it's really hard to just get out of it completely. So I don't think we'll ever get out of weddings yeah. completely, but you know, there's been, when I started doing floral design, there really wasn't a whole lot out there about, how to make a bouquet, how to make a centerpiece. And there's a lot of information out, but I feel like being able to teach people all the lessons that I went through and say, maybe you don't make these mistakes that I made uh, and just open up to people about our business model. And when you're a farmer, you can do farmer's market, you can do, um, you know, sell to floors, you can do CSAs. And I think coming in, like having that knowledge with the knowledge of the flower being a florist design yeah. yeah i think there is there is something to be taught there and i we were probably going to expand you know we're, we're planning a workshop everyone is doing a workshop this year but i really want to focus on starting from the beginning you know i know a lot of farmers that are so afraid of taking on a wedding because they don't want to deal with the bridezillas and in all the over 100 weddings that we've done we never had a bridezilla mm-hmm. and i think there is there are ways that you can avoid you know, that kind of right. stereotypical right. bride. Um, so we're going to be working on some education pieces for, for next year. And will they be um, c- coming to Bozeman to study with you or will you do them online or, I mean, have you figured out? I think out? we're going to open up the farm. You know, remember right now we're not great. open because we, we, we lease land from um, a person and I like to keep it private. It's yeah. her home. Um, but I think there is room for us to bring people in, you know, smaller groups that we can really focus and dedicate to each person and their needs. Um, so we're going to be, do, we're going to be open up. The, oh, that's cool. The farm. Yeah. That's very mm-hmm. cool. Um, well, I have just loved hearing your story. I thank you for having and, me. I've heard bits and pieces, but it's sort of nice to have this whole snapshot and realize how much has happened so quickly mm-hmm. and you're not taking any of it for granted. You seem to be just still in love with, what you're able to do every day as an artist. And yeah. I think that's, that's it's infectious. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I hope everyone feels that way about what they're doing. Um, you're making the most of it. And in an area that is less than friendly to flower farming, mm-hmm. I would say, and you're, you're still growing beautiful flowers. So you're proving that, you know, zone four A or B is, mm-hmm. is doable. Um, yeah, maybe someday you'll move to a place where you can grow year-round. I don't know. Do you think? Or do you think you're, you're, you're really branding Montana now, and, and that's that's where you're going to keep building your business? I think Bozeman is home. Okay. Yeah. That's we're cool. We're going to work with the weather. We're going to work with Mother Nature. I think we're going to come to an agreement where I'll grow flowers <laughs> for as long as I can, as long as she lets me. But, we're, we're you know, and I'm not going to fight it. No. I think if we can have... It's great. Yeah. I love it. I do love Christmas, so being able to take off, you know, some 
time during the winter to dedicate to Christmas is really yes. nice. So, yes, that's true. Yeah. You have that's the seasons. Big, yeah, that's a big part of our business too is Christmas decorations. So we don't take a lot of it. We just take enough not to hate it. <laughs> then that's where the interior design and the floral design can, can probably mm-hmm. come together more. Yeah. yeah. Will you share some... I asked you for photos of the flower bar, but will you share some other photos of, of maybe a couple weddings you've done and yeah. what you're growing and we'll put them in the show notes? Yes, I'd okay. love to. Great. Uh, thank you so much, Julio. It's thank been you for really having fun. me. Yeah, I this love it. Great. Okay, take thank care. You. We'll be sure to uh, list all the places you can find the flower hat in social media. If you, for some reason, aren't following Julio right now, you will be after you uh, see the images. So thanks so much. Thank you for having me. much for joining me today. Listeners like you have downloaded the Slow Flowers podcast more than 293,000 times. And I'm humbled that you've chosen to spend this time with me and the hundreds of amazing guests I've brought your way over the past four and a half years. If you like what you hear, I invite you to do two things. First, post a listener review on iTunes. We have 48 five-star reviews. Please add yours. And second, consider a donation to the podcast. Production and hosting costs add up to more than $6,000 annually, not counting my travel expenses, just to bring you one amazing episode per week. If you're a flower farmer or a floral designer, you can simply show your support by joining Slow Flowers as a member. Find the link to create your listing in the top menu of the slowflowers.com homepage. If you're a gardener or a floral enthusiast, I'm grateful for the comments and donations you've already contributed, and those amounts are what allows me to drive hours to meet a future guest, to pay for the gas, the hotel, the meals, to make a new episode possible. The link to donate is in the right column of our show notes page. Thank you for your support. And thank you to all our sponsors who have supported Slow Flowers and our programs, including this podcast, American Flowers Week, the slowflowers.com online directory to American-grown flowers, as well as our new channels, the Slow Flowers Journal and the 2018 Slow Flowers Summit. They are Certified American-Grown Flowers. The Certified American-Grown program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American-Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit americangrownflowers.org. Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of passionate family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing bigger, better peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. The Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliages, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. More sponsor thanks goes to Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. 
A big bouquet of thanks goes to Longfield Gardens, providing home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Johnny Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry with the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small, and even to backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. And finally, thank you, Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. A very special thanks to Andrew for his tireless and loyal support. He shows up and edits this podcast week in and week out, and it's such a gift to work with him. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.